changed since I moved to the city. Liddy, let them know that my roots in Mississippi. This is a pedagogue and D black digital black lit and composition collaboration. It's a podcast mini series that amplifies black graduate student pedagogies, practices, writings, and lived experiences. Every episode of this mini series is a conversation designed to uplift and celebrate black teachers, scholars, students. Each episode features a new perspective, and each episode highlights the work of black graduate students and their family line of scholars. You can check out dblack at dblack.org. You can follow dblack on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. dblack is an online and in-person network of black identified graduate students and advanced undergraduate students in fields related to the study of language. I'm your host, Shane Wood. Let's get started. Shoot a love it, turn it up when you in public. I'm my worst critic. You don't feel it, you won't hear. Had you waiting for a minute just to make sure you were spinning. Last song was I, but this time coming with a vengeance. In this episode, I talk with Benissimone Simmons. Benissimone Simmons is a doctoral candidate in composition and cultural rhetoric at Syracuse University. She teaches introductory composition courses and works as a writing consultant. Drawing on critical race theory and black feminist pedagogy, her dissertation project examines black women's experiences as students, teachers, and scholars in the context of the graduate classroom. Benissimone, thanks so much for joining us. I want to start by opening space for you to talk about your dissertation, which is titled When the Walls Talk Back, Black Women's Experiences in the Graduate Classroom. Yeah, so like you said, my dissertation title is When the Walls Talk Back, Black Women's Experiences in the Graduate Classroom. Um, This project examines Black women's experience in the graduate classroom as students but it also considers how black women experience the classroom as a space, how the structures of the classroom influence our participation and performance there and how we're able to acquire and secure knowledge within this space. So this project was influenced by my own experiences as a black woman and graduate student in regards to assessment and how I was able to engage in general with the graduate school environment. And so I hope that this project helps address the challenges Black women encounter as students in the classroom and throughout academia and to explore our material, subjective, and political conditions as teachers, students, and other intersecting identities we share. Our status and experiences as Black women in society are unique, including how we're affected by political structures and therefore how we're able to exist. So when Black women enter the classroom, we should consider the implications of how our bodies exist in that space and what this means for our performance and even the possibilities or impossibilities made available to us in and around this space. So. Yeah, I hope to illuminate our voices and our lived experiences and bring attention to the conditions of Black women graduate students and the environments we exist in. There's research on the bias of assessment and evaluations. There's research on the labor concerns of graduate students. And there's a lot of conversations in general about how systems of oppression exist in different spaces but I want to bring attention to Black women and how this population is impacted by these conditions in an educational setting. 
So you're talking about assessment being biased. Do you mind talking more about that and how this bias influences and affects Black women's experiences and realities in the graduate classroom? So with the bias of assessment and evaluations in general, well, <laughs> there's a lot. Um, but in general, the assessment is based on a standard that does not look at particular bodies or circumstances in an equitable way. So when we're assessing our students that have different identities based on traditional standards, it becomes unfair and it does not consider like context or experience. <laughs> um, so when we incorporate assessment into the classroom and we're not considering um, contextually how our students are showing up or contextually how our students are able to perform in these um, structural spaces, we're also imposing unfair standards onto our students and how we're um, approaching them and their writing and their learning and our own um, pedagogical practices. How does this research influence your approach to teaching writing? I know that you also do a lot of organizing work and a lot of your, your research interest and teaching focus on public writing and outreach and campaign development. So maybe you could talk about your pedagogical values and your mission and aims as a writing teacher. Definitely. Well, like um, <laughs> like my dissertation project, uh, my own experiences as a graduate student in off-campus housing led me to organize with Syracuse Tenants United, which is a local grassroots tenant-led group. And as a tenant, I experienced unsafe housing conditions. And so with the help of other students and community members, I led a successful campaign against my landlord and was able to get out of my lease. But during this campaign, while Syracuse Tenants United members canvassed other properties owned by my landlord, we realized that there were so many other tenants experiencing similar issues, if not worse. So we spent a lot of time listening to other tenants talk about their own experiences. And these conversations highlighted the reality of insecure housing and the horrible living conditions many Syracuse tenants face. And after learning about my campaign, many you know, tenants were interested in leaning their own. So a lot of writing was involved. It started with my first demand letter and it evolved into tenant campaigns. Um, this included lots of collective writing and revising and political education around housing issues, but so much more. So yeah, I found the political urgency of housing justice outside of the university just as important to address on campus and in the classroom. So as an instructor, I think it's important to make those connections with the community within our classrooms, because oftentimes there's a disconnect and an unawareness of how we impact our surrounding communities, how we are the community. So interrogating these relationships and existing dynamics between campus and community in the classroom is important to me because they are reflections of each other. And just as our students come into the classrooms attached to different identities and experiences that influence how they show up and participate, so do our communities we share come into the classroom and our writing and vice versa. Um, so like my pedagogical strategy is to consider 
the student and the experiences of the student and how that is impacting how they're able to exist in the space of the classroom, whether it's a traditional or untraditional classroom, whether it's in the community or on campus. You were involved in mentoring undergrad students who organized hashtag NotAgainSU. Can you talk more about this work and how you've seen it impact your own teaching and the program policies at Syracuse? Sure. Um, Well, I don't want to say mentoring because that's a lot of pressure, (laughs) but I helped. I don't say I helped. But um, yeah, because of racist incidents that helped that happened on campus, on the Syracuse um, University campus and and a general climate of marginal identities feeling unsafe. Not again, as you is a black led student movement that formed in response to the violence um, they were experiencing as students on campus. Um, so before the pandemic happened, not again as you did a sit-in and submitted a demand letter to administration. Um, I was there in support of not again as you, but also there in the capacity that they needed me to be in, which included help with the writing process, but also um, you know, giving my you know knowledge and experiences as an organizer with Syracuse Tennis United. Um, So I think it's important to remember that these activist spaces on campus are student spaces and therefore writing spaces like these are classrooms. And I think organizing spaces are not considered traditional writing spaces and are often excluded from writing and pedagogy conversations. So if we question the idea of the traditional classroom, I think we would find it to be an unwelcoming space for oppressed identities as teacher as a teacher and a student and a black woman, I don't find the classroom to be an especially friendly place, even though my body exists in these spaces in a violent way, the expectation is still for me and other marginal identities to perform and succeed in the same ways as other privileged bodies. So the pedagogical spaces where I have found the most support and comfort are the untraditional quote unquote um, teaching spaces like Syracuse Tennis United and Not Again SU. So I find the pedagogical strat- spaces um, that help sustain me most are those that consider how I might be structurally impacted by the practices and pedagogy, which therefore considers my survival in this space. Um, and so as an instructor, I I make an effort every day to unlearn how traditional pedagog- pedagogical mm-hmm. practices can be harmful to untraditional identities. I try to incorporate this in my own approach to the classroom in whatever shape the classroom appears, whether it's community spaces or um, campus spaces. Um, But with Not Again SU, the classroom became an administration building. (laughs) And though the perception of these students were, they're reckless, they're unruly, and they're disruptors. We were all students and we were learning in that space in a much more constructive way than the traditional classroom space could allow um, because we were supportive of each other um, in a way that helped sustain sustain us in the best way. Well, hashtag not again issue is an ongoing movement. Um, so there's much more to be done, especially as far as policy change with the university, because you know it's a it's a university that you're going up against. But I think it's important, it's 
it's important to mention the the learning <laughs> the the idea of how students are able to learn how that that perception of that have has helped change other people's perspective of the classroom and what the classroom and that space is capable of in different locations so yeah i i definitely think it's important to emphasize how that space and other activist space and organizing spaces help students write and help them learn <laughs> in, in ways that I guess the traditional classroom wouldn't or wouldn't allow. How can the academy support Black teachers, scholars, and students? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think it's a very simple answer. <laughs> I, I think the answer is to listen to Black students simply. Um, oftentimes our voices are silenced. Um, and I think people should listen. <laughs> but I don't think it just stops there though, also, because I think a lot of times, you know, you know, people want to say, hey, can we have a conversation? Hey, I think a conversation is necessary. And it just stops there, but conversations aren't enough. And I think a lot of times. Black students and teachers and faculty make it very clear what their needs are, and these are ignored. Um, so I think what needs to happen is action. <laughs> so in addition to listening to our voices, I think action needs to follow. It has to follow in order for there to be change. Thanks, Benissimone. And thank you, Pedagogue listeners and followers, for tuning into this Pedagogue and D-Black collaboration. You to love it, turn it up when you in public I'm my worst critic, you don't feel it, you won't hear it Had you waiting for a minute, just to make sure you were spinning Last song was alright, but this time coming with a vengeance That's my good friend Raph Peters, aka Kazo. He's a Houston-based rapper, and that's his single, Liddy You can check him out on YouTube, youtube.com backslash Kazo Music That's K-Z-O-E Music